This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, January 21st, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. According to Justice Anthony Kennedy writing for the majority of the Supreme Court in the Citizens United case, the First Amendment is primarily about one thing. We can't trust government to regulate speech. And so the court has issued a broad ruling on just how free speech really is under the First Amendment. John Samples, author of the book The Fallacy of Campaign Finance Reform, offers his thoughts on today's opinion. This is about an organization who made a movie about Hillary Clinton that they wanted to show uh, and wanted to run ads for. Now, the problem was why this became a political matter and a legal matter is the organization that made the movie was a corporation. It uh, was engaging in political speech. However, that involved the outlay of money by the corporation, and that turned out to be illegal under American uh, law and under specifically also under McCain-Feingold. And the Supreme Court had said about 20 years ago or so that, in fact, banning such funding of speech by corporations was okay under the Constitution. They were trying to set up a distinction between individuals and corporations for the purpose of that kind of spending, right? Well, yes and no. I mean, what they said in the case of Austin versus uh, Michigan uh, Chamber of Commerce was that if you let corporations and labor unions spend money on speech, that you would distort the political process, and, it would, and that would be a kind of corruption. Really what they were saying was if you let uh, businesses or unions spend money on speech, it would produce an inequality of influence that was thought to be uh, against, the, consti- uh, against uh, the Constitution or should be against the law. So that's the history here. In the decision in Citizens United, a majority of the Supreme Court has decided that the federal government, Congress, cannot ban spending on speech by corporations and by implication by labor unions, by nonprofit corporations, uh, anybody that takes the corporate form. That's prohibited because the First Amendment says Congress shall make no law abridging freedom of speech. Now, you're going to hear in days to come that what this is all about is uh, corporate political rights and turning America into a you know, plutocracy and that corporations are businesses. They don't have any rights. But that's exactly the wrong way to look at this for several reasons. The first reason is that the decision in concerning Hillary the movie is not about anyone's rights and whether they have them or not. What this is really focused on, and rightly so, is what kind of power does the government have? And the First Amendment says Congress does not have the power to abridge freedom of speech, and that is what is found in uh, Citizens United decision. Now, in earlier decisions, the Supreme Court has said that Congress can regulate political contributions. And they can do that to uh, prevent corruption, exchange of money for favors. However, in this case, uh, Citizens United, there are political contributions are not at stake in any way. That is, the corporation that made the movie didn't give contributions to a particular candidate or a political party. What they did was make a movie about a candidate for president. And they funded it. They were trying to make a particularly negative statement about Hillary Clinton, uh, make her look like a bad person. 
Yes, and well, presumably that's so, but that really has no bearing one way or the other about uh, uh, this case. So this was really a case involving just the funding of pure political speech. However, it was also illegal. The Supreme Court in Citizens United acknowledges that under the previous law, it would have been illegal to run this movie on television. That's, that's pretty shocking when you think about it. We're trying to get people to, to recognize that. And what Citizens United's majority says is, you know, in the United States, with our Constitution, Congress does not have the power to censor speech, to decide whether one person is too dangerous, the speech is too dangerous, and should not be heard. That decision is made by people who decide to listen or not, the citizens of the country. Justice Kennedy wrote the opinion here, and he has been, uh, as I understand it, one of the most consistent on the First Amendment uh, over the years. What does he say, how does he address any of the concerns people might have about this inequality of influence in the political sphere? He only uh, uh, addresses it in uh, passing, though what has happened, and this goes back for 30 years or more, is the Supreme Court in the last few years has strongly affirmed earlier precedent going back to 1976 that congressional efforts to bring about equality of speech or equality of influence through speech are incompatible with the First Amendment. And you can see why. What it means is that Congress would have to control everyone's speech so that everyone got an equal amount or virtually equal amount. So it would require continual abridgment of some freedom of speech, uh, one or the other. Because Congress, And of course, it also recognizes, although it's not mentioned in the opinion, that Congress doing something like that would be a disaster because, of course, members would uh, in pursuit of alleged equality, would, uh, of course, feather their own nest and make sure there were very few challenges to sitting members of Congress. The equality rationale is gone now for um, campaign finance regulation. What is left of McCain-Feingold, which was heralded as a Great achievement, not not the least of which by John McCain and uh, Russ Feingold, but uh, what is left of, of that law? That's the ironic uh, result of all of this today. Um, the only part of McCain-Feingold that is left is the prohibition on party soft money. Uh, what that meant was before McCain-Feingold, uh, people could give money to the political parties for party building um, that was not limited by contributions and uh, contribution limits and so on. So you could pretty much uh, give great, and some people and groups did give large sums. The parties then used that money to help out their vulnerable incumbents or promising challengers in races throughout the country. So what the McCain-Feingold was essentially an attempt to try to stop people from attacking vulnerable incumbents in Congress. That was the most important part of it. At the end of the day, we are now, several years later, we have a campaign finance regulation that the only thing it does is deny money to incumbent members of Congress who are vulnerable to being attacked. I would think that right now, blue dog Democrats in Congress, and also vulnerable Republicans, you should mention this, they are 
doubly worried now because the protections offered by McCain-Feingold are gone, and the help that uh, uh, party soft money used to give to them is also gone. Looking forward to uh, 2010 elections, we just saw Scott Brown being elected in Massachusetts, a Democratic stronghold. A lot more independent expenditures, I think you will reasonably see uh, as we move into the fall. What is the likely result of that? How might that shape up for uh, influencing elections by unions and corporations and other people who just want to maybe form a corporation for the explicit purpose of of uh, advocating on a particular issue? Well, nonprofit uh, corporations will be involved in, in some ways to... Uh, they, there are other tax issues uh, with that. But I think we shouldn't jump to the conclusion that there's going to be, uh, in, in the cliche of the time, a flood of money coming in. Um, I do believe that both unions and businesses and nonprofits will be involved in races that are tight uh, or vulnerable incumbents uh, that they disfavor or favor or involved. Uh, when this was uh, legal back in the 1990s before McCain-Feingold, there was money, a lot of money spent in some races. But generally speaking, the total sums were not all that great given you know, the, large sum, the overall amount of money that's spent in campaigns. So I would wonder about that. The second thing is uh, I would say immediately about health care is I think you're going to see perhaps some curious uh, combinations. Uh, generally, the idea is that it's business versus the common people. You're going to hear a lot about that following this case. But I think in healthcare, you might well see the insurance companies and the phar- pharmaceutical companies on different sides perhaps spending money on candidates uh, because uh, the way that is all shaken out to this point is the, those different interests and different corporations have taken different sides. John Samples is author of the book, The Fallacy of Campaign Finance Reform. He's director of the Cato Institute's Center for Representative Government. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.